Welcome back to In Check with Fintech, the Payments and Cards Network podcast. Today on the show, we had Michael Mueller. Michael is the CEO and founder of Form Free Financial Cloud. Form Free is a fintech company that Michael started in 2016 after a prodigious career in banking, working for the big players, Deutsche Bank, Barclays, Royal Bank of Scotland, decided he wanted to do something truly innovative. And since then, Form Free has grown into a 100-plus person company with, I think, their first office on the continent in, uh, in Amsterdam. So really exciting company. He tells us all about it, uh, what it is, what it does, where it fits into the fintech ecosystem. And I hope you, uh, you enjoy finding out more and enjoy the show. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Michael, there is so much to talk about right now. We'll talk about yourself. We'll talk about your company. Um, do you mind by just kicking us off with a general introduction to Form Free? When did the company begin and, and what does it do? Yeah, sure. So uh, we started uh, the company in 2016 when some um, uh, colleagues came together and thought uh, that uh, there might be an opportunity for us to redesign uh, the way that uh, financial institutions uh, manage their payment processing. And uh, there's a very strong technology focus uh, from the start. And a lot of uh, what uh, we uh, came up with uh, at the time was really based on the experience that we had working for large financial institutions and some of the challenges that these banks were facing when um, procuring and implementing uh, banking uh, technology for payment processing. So uh, in many ways, Form 3 was born out of the frustration that I had in various roles in banking with banking technology and uh, payment processing systems in general. Um, so we started in 2016, um, typical sort of startup uh, story, a few guys in an office and it was only guys at the time, unfortunately, hmm. in an office uh, somewhere in London. And um, yeah, I would uh, I'd, I would say that we've uh, we've come a long way since then. Yeah, you, I, I just did a quick scan of, over LinkedIn. You seem to have grown fantastically, well over a hundred people now. Yeah, we're about one hundred and thirty people, most of them uh, software engineers and product managers, and uh, that's a fantastic base for us to build. Um, really exciting uh, banking technology. Okay. And, and you mentioned how you had the idea for the company based on some frustrations or limitations you found from your long background in, in banking, where you worked for some of the most major banks in the world. Um, I like to, just as part of the show, run through uh, the guests' background as a backdrop to what inspired them to start up the company they're currently running. Um, mm -hmm. Do you mind, um, let's say, if we were to jump back to, not too far, uh, <laughs> but maybe to the Bar Barclays days where you were a senior corporate banking executive at Barclays. Tell us about a little bit about your resume, Michael, and some of the, the hinterland of, of what led to you wishing to form this new company, Form Free. Sure. Uh, so, so my background is actually banking. So I, I'm a banker. Uh, and um, I spent most of my career in, in big banks and, and um, a lot of time at uh, Deutsche Bank and then uh, the um, 
a few years at Barclays until uh, 2015. Uh, at Barclays, I was responsible for cash management, uh, which is um, basically all of Barclays payments, uh, online channels in the corporate world, institutional world, and also a lot of um, corporate liquidity. So really the operational banking uh, of uh, the corporate and investment bank um, globally. Um, that was a typical sort of large-scale banking role, uh, had about uh, 500 uh, uh, employees uh, working uh, for the business in uh, the Americas, in Europe, in Africa, and in Asia. Um, massive budgets from, a, uh, from an investment uh, point of view. Um, a lot of that admittedly uh, spent on effectively keeping the lights on, or as banks call it, run the bank. Uh, not enough uh, money spent uh, at the time on uh, what we call change the bank, uh, so new products and services, new technologies, and, and, and all the rest. And um, as I said, uh, part of the reason why I started uh, Form 3 was really uh, the frustration with that ratio. So um, legacy banking technology turned out to be very um, static, uh, clumsy, difficult to change, uh, complicated and uh, very, very expensive. And uh, the view was uh, at the time, and I think it still holds true, that there's a better way of dealing with this. And that's why the company was formed. Uh, so in many ways, I think it's fair to describe me as a, as a payments guy. So I've always worked in payments-related areas, um, as I said, mainly in, in large banks. And um, again, uh, I was a customer of uh, some of the providers, legacy providers of banking technology at the time. And um, yeah, we, we tried to change the industry and I think that that's exactly what we're doing. Um, there, there, there is a, uh, there are obviously a few industry trends that have helped us uh, on the way and, you know, um, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but uh, we were lucky with the timing as well because um, cloud native technology um, came onto the scene, uh, became more mature or mature enough for enterprise applications in, in banking. Um, and uh, that obviously has a big impact on uh, scalability, security, flexibility, and all the rest of it. So um, we make full use of that. And uh, again, 2016 was probably a really good time for starting a business uh, as uh, these technologies uh, matured. Um, there are a few other uh, things that have helped us on the way, but uh, it was really from the start the desire to use better technology for, for payment processing. I like it. Let's, um, let's make that concrete. Let's make it a, a kind of as, as tangible as possible. What was, if you can talk in specifics, you don't have to name what the company was you were previously working at, we can guess. What was a typical problem that you struggled to solve or was just accepted as the normal, um, which is a problem that Form 3 is now able to solve? Maybe you could look at a particular issue and a particular product that Form 3 now offers to solve it. Yeah, so uh, the Form 3 uh, product uh, proposition and value proposition is in its core uh, not very complicated. So we take care of um, the payment processing 
uh, in uh, a financial institution's back office, which basically means that we're picking up the payment after it has been initiated. We're not getting involved in the initiation part. We're not providing uh, front-end capabilities or mobile banking or anything like that. So we pick up the payment after it's been made or initiated by the end customer. And then we take it through all the various processing steps that are required to get it to the other side. And that includes access to clearing and settlement systems, um, direct scheme access, indirect scheme access, but also a lot of the steps that, uh, as I said, that the payment will have to go through before it can actually be executed. So what is a typical problem? Um, I, I think the most... Uh, interesting one from the start, and I think it is still a very interesting one, is access to real-time payment systems. Um, uh, the company was born uh, in, in the UK, and uh, as you probably know, the UK is uh, quite arguably the most mature market or one of the most mature market when it comes to real-time payments. And yet, um, when we started, uh, I, I think less than uh, two dozen companies actually had direct access to clearing and settlement. Uh, which basically means they could not take the full uh, benefit of uh, gaining access to the faster payment system, which basically means payment typically payments typically take longer if you have indirect access or batch-based access, and it wasn't the same kind of end customer experience. So when we came onto the scene, we um, could change that. And more importantly, we could actually make it a lot more efficient and a lot cheaper for uh, our customers to uh, connect uh, to the infrastructure, which is uh, great for them. It gives them a better value proposition. It's great for their end customers because they get the full real-time experience. And it's also good for the central infrastructure because there are more people who can actually connect to it directly. And uh, therefore, you, you kind of avoid these nested relationships where um, payment service provider work with other payment service providers work with banks. So. It is part of our mission to basically make it a direct connection to the infrastructure and make that connection as reliable, as secure, and as cheap as it can be. So uh, that was uh, sort of one of the early problems that we uh, solved. And uh, I think it's fair to say that since we started, we've probably brought more companies into faster payments directly uh, than um, probably all of our competitors combined. Uh, so that has been a, a best-selling proposition, a best-selling product. Hey, this is Jonathan from Block Data. FYI, 40% of big companies will invest at least $5 million into blockchain initiatives this year. Block Data helps these companies understand what's going on through market intelligence on the blockchain ecosystem. If you'd like to find out more, just Google Block Data. That is fantastic. And I like the idea of disrupting this rather cozy environment that's grown up between the processes and the banks. What is a typical profile of one of your customers, Michael? Is it end merchants, schemes, processes? Help us understand who, what kind of companies you approach and why they most benefit from using Form3. Yeah. So as a as a company, uh, we are not uh, licensed uh, to, to process payments ourselves, and uh, that is by design. So we're not a payment service provider. Uh, we are um, a, a payment technology provider, which basically means that all of our customers um, are licensed financial institutions or non-banks. 
so we don't provide any services to end customers directly. And we're also not, um, in, as, as you call it, in the flow of funds, so we don't move money through our books. Um, our customers um, have, or the profile of our customers has evolved uh, over the years. Um, as a small company, you start with um, fintechs, uh, you start with people who can actually be very agile, uh, may not have massive volumes, but uh, need the functionality. Uh, we then moved on to uh, providing these services to a lot of the challenger banks um, who uh, gave us more volume, uh, had a full banking license, so a lot more complexity also in the regulatory compliance and you know similar areas. And now uh, we're spending most of our time at the moment dealing with uh, tier one banks um, who have really discovered the benefit of uh, these technologies and um, are um, launching uh, very significant projects with us to uh, completely transform their, their payment back office. Wow. So in other words, it's only just really taking off for you, Michael. The exciting times are, are all ahead of you, <laughs> which is exciting, right? Because I've just read, I've done a quick scan of the news and, and Form 3. You've, uh, you've signed a big partnership with, with Barclays in the last month or two. Congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that is actually uh, the second step of a, of a long-standing partnership that we're we've had with Barclays uh, pretty much from 2017 or 2018. So we've been working with them quite closely on providing uh, sponsored access solutions in the UK. And the announcement that came out is really the extension of that uh, to to SIPA real time, uh, which is really exciting, not only for us, but also for our customers. Uh, The background to that is uh, that it is quite difficult today for anyone who doesn't have a fully-fledged banking license to get direct access to uh, the SEPA real-time infrastructure. And uh, the scheme currently demands um, all direct participants to have a, a central bank account, which in Europe, different from the UK, is, is only uh, available to credit institutions. Uh, now we've uh, found uh, and developed a, a really interesting solution where Barclays effectively lend their liquidity to uh, direct scheme participants, which in turn, allow, in turn allows um, uh, non-banks to uh, take the full benefit of uh, the real-time processing uh, that uh, the EBA uh, system provides. So really exciting news, I think, for uh, non-banks in Europe. And uh, if you want a logical extension of uh, what we've been uh, providing together with Barclays uh, for a couple of years now. Well, congrats on, I think, identifying that need in the market and, and finding the right partner in Barclays to start making it a reality. Um, it feels a bit passe asking a Brexit question because we've all been so entirely focused on on the pandemic for the last few months, whereas everyone I spoke to last year, I would have to throw a Brexit question in there. It does feel relevant with, with your uh, business ambitions, uh, though. Um, you've mentioned London is probably the most mature market in the world for, for fintech. I think I would agree with that, though I suppose you would like to grow across continental Europe. Um, do you have, have you given much thought to, or you were at all worried about 
the upcoming kind of Brexit or the ongoing Brexit negotiations? Do you think um, they could possibly have a negative or you know, frustrating impact on your business? What's your take on the whole situation and how, what are your contingency plans for it? Well, um, <laughs> there's obviously a very personal angle, and that is uh, that I'm a uh, German living in, uh, in, in London. Um, so I've been watching events uh, with uh, great interest uh, from a very personal perspective uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, for the company, um, yes, we've been, we've been looking at this. Um, as I said earlier, the, the good news for us is we're not a licensed financial service provider, so we don't need to be too worried about having the right kind of licenses in, in the different jurisdictions that we're, we're operating in. Um, we are a, an international business, however, and um, that manifests itself mainly in the fact that uh, we uh, have a 100% remote working culture, which basically has allowed us to uh, um, hire um, staff, primarily software engineers, in uh, a number of different countries. So I think we're active in 14 different countries uh, today from a, a developer perspective. And some of those countries are in Europe. So um, there, there might be and there, there will be a um, little bit of impact on, on that side. Um, but um, we're not expecting this to be major. Good. The, the more important question is, of course, what happens with our clients and uh, you know, how do they get ready for Brexit? And um, I guess our ability to provide almost identical services across uh, different currencies um, with, a, with a full range of uh, SEPA uh, services available through the same uh, connectivity and APIs and, and, and all the rest is helping them and is something that is uh, much appreciated uh, by our customers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned um, your ability to employ remote staff, developers in about 14 countries around the world presently. I take it organizationally, you've not been too terribly impacted by the current pandemic? So uh, we've been a remote working company from, from day one, uh, ever since we started in 2016, and probably had a bit of an advantage over some other uh, uh, companies in the market when the, uh, uh, the, the pandemic hit. Um, and, uh, and that's great. So most of our software engineers are actually working remotely. Uh, they prefer it that way. Uh, and uh, we pair them up so uh, they, they work uh, in pairs and that is a very effective way for us to uh, build uh, technology. Uh, but also the rest of staff can actually decide whether they want to come into our office um, in, in London and in Amsterdam or work from home. Uh, and uh, that has been hugely beneficial uh, in, in recent weeks and months. Uh, it sounds like a successful recruitment and HR or, or well-being policy you've got there. Nonetheless, it is difficult to find senior product developers, software engineers specific to the payments and fintech industry. Um, you've rocketed up over 100 people now, so um, it starts to become arguably more difficult the bigger you get. How do you tend to find the sorts of talent you need to make sure your company keeps growing? Um, 
we have uh, we have a, uh, a four or five person recruitment team uh, that is uh, that is looking after that. That's a kind of effort we're putting into uh, the hiring and recruitment process. So it's a it's a multi stage uh, recruitment process uh, that we're running with a with a fairly large funnel. So we're basically talking to quite a lot of candidates um, in um, in the industry. Um, what helps us as a business on the recruitment side is the fact that we're obviously a greenfield organization, which basically means we can um, offer work on really exciting uh, cloud-native technology, uh, Kubernetes, and um, you know other tools uh, that uh, our um, engineers are working with. Uh, we build most of what we do in Go, which is uh, really exciting for uh, high-end engineers. And uh, as I said, the fact that we offer 100% remote working um, allows us to tap into uh, different talent pools in, in uh, different European countries. So we can actually reach a much wider audience compared to um, a situation where you can only hire people in London, for instance. The PCN podcast is brought to you by PayVision. When it comes to payments, PayVision don't mess around. They live and breathe payment processing, from design and integration to delivery and checkout, and everything in between. The dedication to their products shows that's why they're so happy to support merchants with exactly the kind of payment solutions they're looking for. Indeed. I think um, of, of all of that answer, a number of reasons why candidates might wish to come work for Form Free, I think the most compelling is working in a cloud-native environment, working on brand-new products. You're, you're really doing unique stuff here with, with Form Free. And I think a lot of the people who have the freedom to work for any company they wish, and they're used to working fully remotely, um, this seems like a good proposition uh, for them. Every guess this question, Michael. What is the ideal situation for your company in say five years time, where do you see form form free being in five years time? That's a uh, that's a very good question, uh, and um, I think one of the things that you learn when you start a business is basically that five years is a very long time, um, and, and uh, even in our short history, the four years that we've been up and running till now. Um, we had to uh, change uh, some of uh, the things that uh, we we were working on, or pivot, as you say, in uh, in, in, in startup uh, land. Um, overall, I think our value proposition will remain pretty much focused on payments and real-time payments, uh, bank-based payments. Uh, my ambition is to really keep building exciting technology with high-end software engineers and product managers to help financial institutions globally. Uh, so um, we have uh, expansion plans in, in two uh, directions. Uh, one is uh, geography, and uh, we're looking to bring that value proposition to markets beyond the UK and Europe, uh, where we're active today. And the other one is functional scope in terms of making our platform um, even more functionality rich by bringing in uh, enhanced um, say fraud management capabilities, uh, bringing in uh, additional validations, AML checks, and you know all the rest. 
um, but also um, making use of um, uh, data uh, to support our customers uh, with uh, with their day-to-day uh, -day activities. So, again, two main direction in which we're going to grow the company. One is geography, and one the other one is uh, functionality. Uh, all under the premise that we will continue to build um, exciting uh, enterprise technology for um, regulated financial institutions globally. Absolutely. And can you see yourself being the proud custodian of a, uh, of a huge fintech style exit one day? Maybe SoftBank <laughs> will come along and buy you up for uh, multiples. <laughs> any, any hopes or plans for that? Early retirement, uh, perhaps? Or do you really enjoy the ride mostly? I, I do enjoy the ride mostly. And that's probably the response that you get from most of your guests. Uh, yeah. It is... Uh, very rewarding to uh, to work in in this environment to spend time with motivated colleagues to build uh, exciting stuff so uh, i'm I'm not planning early retirement anytime soon um, I'm just enjoying it too much and uh, I will continue uh, uh, doing this it's fantastic we've touched on your background your technology and products some of the customers you've served how you're prepared for Brexit and long-term work from home. Anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap it up, Michael? No, I think uh, we, we, we covered a lot of ground, uh, and thanks for that, uh, Luis. Um, I, I think uh, if there was one thing I would probably want to throw in, we talked about the pandemic and um, the, the impact on companies, but uh, it's really good to see from my perspective, uh, that uh, payment systems have actually held up uh, quite yes. nicely. Uh, we've not uh, seen a major uh, issue, knock on wood. But uh, you know, I, I think that kind of that is further confirmation from my perspective that payments are a very interesting uh, part of the economy, and um, and as we can see now, and hopefully also moving forward, uh, a resilient uh, part of the economy. And uh, I think uh, there's a lot of credit that goes to all the various players, uh, the major banks, the card schemes and everyone else. Uh, they've managed to keep the lights on. I hope yep. I won't regret, regret my words, but uh, I think uh, the indications are for now that uh, this is uh, really held up nicely. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point to end on. I think the payments industry as uh, you know, a segment of the wider economy has you know, done itself relatively proudly over these last few months. No major setbacks. It's, it's quietly ticked along and done its role and, and helped as much as it can. So I would absolutely second that. So Michael Mueller, thank you so much for being on the show, CEO of Form Free. How should people get in touch, Michael? What's the best way to reach out to you or your, or your company or... What, well, the via the website, um, most certainly uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I think you, you will find us uh, uh, very easily, I hope. Um, and um, always always happy to um, take a call from, from someone who wants to know more. Brilliant. Okay. Michael, thanks again for being on the show. All the best. Stay safe. And I'm sure uh, we can check in again one day soon. Thanks, Louis. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of What the Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com.
That's podcast at teampcn.com.